everybody has to find their place to not only vote, which is critically important for everybody, but also pitch in and help and raise money or make phone calls and do the kinds of things that are going to make a big difference. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was Carol Williams, former Montana Senate Majority Leader. And we're in for a treat today, a conversation with her and former Congressman Pat Williams in a few moments. I'm here with Deputy Director Whitney Taney in Bozeman and Political Director Jake Brown in Helena. We're now just over 80 days from Election Day, and guys, a young campaign worker came up to me in downtown Billings this week, collecting signatures to put a new presidential candidate on the November 3rd ballot. My mom saved my life. There would have been no Kanye West because my dad was too busy. Yes, the young campaign worker in Billings, Montana, told me he was working for the presidential campaign of Kanye West, who now lives about an hour and a half south of here in Wyoming. I asked the young man if he was having any luck with signatures. His reply, quote, not really. The next day, the Billings Gazette reported that Kanye West signature collectors at the Yellowstone County Fairgrounds told passersby that signing the petition will, quote, help Trump and take away votes from Joe Biden. As if this year couldn't get any weirder. Well, two names that will certainly be on the Montana ballot, Governor Steve Bullock and Senator Steve Daines, who met this past weekend for their first debate. Whitney, conservation, of course, came up. That's right. On the heels of the Great American Outdoors Act being signed into law, which funds our public lands at $900 million per year in perpetuity, both candidates had a few things to say. I was very proud of the fact we passed the greatest conservation win in 50 years last week. President Trump signed it, the Great America Outdoors Act. I'll tell you, that was a great accomplishment. Years in the making to get that done. And I'm not afraid to work with President Trump here and make sure the two of us are on the same page. For example, the job cores in Anaconda, they were planned to be shut down. I called President Trump. We saved him. On tax cuts, Montana's averaged $1,600 in savings because of the tax cut bill. Thank you, Mr. Daines. Mr. Bullock, your response. It was great that the Land Water Conservation Fund is finally funded. But I guess that's election year because before this year, Senator Daines voted to pull money away from it and never fully funded. He voted for measures that would help transfer public lands. And while he should be representing us, he's been taking like $50,000 from the Wilkes brothers that are actually blocking public access. The way that I'll work in Washington is the same that I've worked in Montana, by bringing people together, by seeing it's so much more important than sort of the political food fights of the day to get stuff done. And that's why I want to do this job. We're thankful Steve Bullock set the record straight because Senator Daines' walk is not matching his talk. We, of course, are excited about the Great American Outdoors Act, as it is a historic win for conservation that both Senator Daines and Senator John Tester co-sponsored. The new law will fully fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund and shows that Senator Daines finally listened to Montanans. But we can't forget that he also voted against LWCF in 2018 and led an effort to release hundreds of thousands of Montana Wilderness Study Area acres, effectively the largest reduction in protected public lands in Montana's history. To hear more of the debate, we've linked the full face-off in our show notes. This past Tuesday, Senator Daines held an event to celebrate himself following the enactment last week of the Great American Outdoors Act. Well, thanks for for joining us today uh, to celebrate the uh, signing of the Great America Outdoors Act. 
The self-congratulatory event took place in Gardiner, near the north entrance of Yellowstone National Park. Only a handful of people showed up and few were aware of the event in advance. Danes took credit for the legislation, even though he has a record of voting against the Land and Water Conservation Fund in the past. And notably, news coverage of the event reminded Montanans that Dane's record in the U.S. Senate is far from being worthy of celebration. Our friends at Wild Montana Action, which is affiliated with the Montana Wilderness Association, called Senator Dane's role in the Great American Outdoors Act a rare blip in his abysmal public lands record. As for MCV, we said funding our public lands is meaningless if our public lands are sold off, which is a real threat under BLM nominee William Perry Penley. Meanwhile, Senator John Tester has sent a letter to Interior Secretary David Bernhardt and Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue to continue the momentum after the Great American Outdoors Act and find a full slate of projects to fund in the upcoming fiscal year. Tester claims that now is the time to start making up for the lost time in low funding levels. There's no better time than now to give local economies a boost by planning the wide array of construction projects that will be associated with this bill. Tester is also calling on his colleagues to ride the public land's momentum by supporting his Blackfoot Clearwater Stewardship Act, something both Senator Daines and Congressman Gianforte refused to support, even though it's wildly popular in Montana. Tester calls the legislation a natural next step following the Great American Outdoors Act. A boneheaded setback. That was our response to word that President Trump's EPA will strike down an Obama-era rule regulating methane, a potent greenhouse gas. The EPA reportedly has been working on this for a year, even though it is now blaming the move on falling energy demand due to the COVID-19 pandemic. When this news was first reported by the New York Times, MCV called attention to the fact that lawmakers like Steve Daines and Greg Gianforte have stayed silent. You don't get to be a conservationist when you make excuses for rolling back pollution standards that put our communities at risk, we said. Our future generations deserve better and smarter. In response to a Montana judge removing the Green Party from the ballot in November, two efforts are in motion to get them back on the ballot. A state judge in Helena ruled today Green Party candidates should be removed from the November general election ballot in Montana. As a reminder, last Friday, District Judge James Reynolds removed the Green Party, in large part due to mistakes made by the Secretary of State, Corey Stapleton. His office was refusing to remove petitioners who asked to be removed, something that his office could not legally do. Now the Secretary of State has officially appealed the judge's decision to the Montana Supreme Court. His appeal is mirrored by two candidates for the Green Party as well, pro-gun rights activist Gary Marbutt and Royal Davis. Both candidates are claiming that the 800 voters who cast ballots for them in the primary election will have their votes retroactively nullified. Ballots have to be certified by August 20th, so a decision by the Supreme Court will have to come before then if the Greens are to be placed back on the ballot in November. Finally, just a reminder to our listeners that the Montana GOP committed campaign finance violations getting the Green Party on the ballot in an effort to siphon votes away from Democratic candidates. The two candidates vying for Montana's lone seat in the U.S. House of Representatives have agreed to two debates this fall. MCV-endorsed Kathleen Williams is running against failed 2018 Senate candidate Matt Rosendale, who has long advocated the sell-off of public lands. They'll debate each other on Wednesday, September 23rd, and again a few days later on September 26th. Montana has not been represented by a conservation lawmaker in the U.S. House since we lost our second seat more than two decades ago, and that seat was held by one of today's guests. (laughs) 
Our guests today are Congressman Pat Williams and Senator Carol Williams. Back when Montana had two seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, Pat Williams represented District 1, Western Montana, from 1979 to 1997. Before that, he served one term in the Montana House before working for then-Congressman John Melcher. Pat Williams is also a former teacher and National Guardsman. Carol Williams represented Senate District 46 in Missoula from 2004 to 2012 and was elected Montana's first female Senate Majority Leader in 2007, then Minority Leader in 2009 and 2011. She previously served in the Montana House of Representatives and ran for Lieutenant Governor in 2000 alongside Democrat Mark O'Keefe. Senator Williams also founded the organization Carol's List. Carol's List recruits, trains, and supports progressive pro-choice women to run for and win elected office in Montana, and it increases women's political power in our state. Pat and Carol Williams have three children, Griff, Aaron, and Whitney, who earlier this year ran for Montana governor, and they join us from their home in Missoula. Congressman, Senator, thank you for being part of MCVCast. Thank you. Thanks. Carol, November 3rd will be the most consequential election in American history, and I'm curious to hear from your perspective, your take on what the political landscape looks like in Montana and what's at stake. Well, basically everything is at stake. (laughs) Uh, You can't name something that isn't going to be affected by this election. And of course, I thought that was true in 2016, too, when we couldn't get people to pay attention because, um, you know, they didn't think it was made any difference. And now we've got two Supreme Court justices and lots of regulations uh, eliminated. And uh, we've got a real mess in Washington And fortunately for us out here in the landscape in Montana, we were able to keep Senator Tester there and and Governor Bullock. And so our state looks a lot better than a lot of states do right now because of the leadership that we have. What's your message to anyone who shrugs off politics or who thinks that their vote isn't going to count? Well, that, I I mean, I really do think the vote, because your life depends on it, is more appropriate this election than any other. This is really, with the pandemic and everything else going on in the country, uh, I think people have to pay attention to, even, even for the health of their own families, they've got to pay attention. And I really hear a lot from young people who say, well, it is, doesn't make any difference to me. It makes all the difference in the world, their health care and the environment and climate change and all of the other things that the Supreme Court could do in, in the interim if we have another four years of Donald Trump. And uh, it's very important that all age groups uh, pay attention to this election and vote and really get out and vote and get their friends to get out and vote. Pat, you've seen decades of political progress and setbacks throughout your career in Montana politics. What is the most surprising thing that you have seen, particularly in the last four years? Well, I don't know if I can boil it down to one, Aaron, uh, the most uh, surprising thing. But if that's the assignment, I'll say the election of Donald Trump. I didn't think that Donald Trump was going to get clobbered by a landslide. I thought the election with Mrs. Clinton 
might be close, but I did not expect that America's greatest con man was going to be able to snooker the country the way he did. We now see who he is, and I think this next election will be an entirely different story. In Montana, I do believe that we have had a continuation of an increase in uh, understanding of the importance of the environment and increasing and continual understanding of that through the years, including the last four years. And for many, I suppose that may not be uh, a surprise, but it, uh, it has been somewhat of a surprise to me, and so I just wanted to mention it. Congressman, we are, we're curious for your take specifically on the, the race for U.S. Senate um, in 2020, coming off the heels of what was the most expensive race in history back in 2018. Looks like it'll be outdone this year. What's your take on that race and maybe also the race for U.S. House of Representatives in which you served? Well, of course, Governor Bullock is the challenger and Senator Daines is the incumbent. But given Bullock's leadership as governor, they're really both incumbents. And so we have this unusual thing about two top-level incumbents facing off against each other. I think that uh, it's difficult to defeat the incumbent who holds the office at the time. And of course, Daines isn't running for Congress, Bullock's running against the real incumbent, Senator Daines. And so uh, I think it's going to be a tough race for both of these fellas and perhaps a little more difficult for Governor Bullock than it will be for Senator Daines. Uh, the momentum against what I'm saying, by the way, is coming from the fact that Republicans around the country, including in Montana, are in some trouble trying to win the next election. Some people talk about turns. Well, it's a Democrat's turn or Republican's turn. Occasionally that shows itself in politics, but uh, in Montana, not very often. And so I don't think the old momentum uh, thing as one party or the other party has been in office too long is going to work in Montana, uh, this year at least. Uh, and uh, I expect a, uh, a good clean race from both of these candidates. Now, Carol, what's your take on the race for Montana's governor? Well, uh, I want to just before I say that, uh, Whitney, I just want to follow up about the House race and Kathleen Williams in Rosendale. Uh, I think Kathleen has a very good chance of winning that race, and she's got a good organization. She's raised a lot of money. She's very competitive. And, um, and of course, Rosendale has lost an election, and a very brutal election against uh, John Tester. And uh, I think that's to Kathleen's advantage. So I did want to say that. And the governor's race, of course, uh, I had a favorite in the primary. <laughs> uh, my daughter Whitney was running, and uh, we had hoped that she was going to be the candidate to defeat Gianforte. But um, Mike Cooney is an old friend of uh, has, I served in the legislature with him. He was the head of an organization that I was on the board of uh, for many years. And uh, I know him and trust him. And I think he, he'll be a good governor. And it's even more than that important for people this time to pay attention to the other candidate. Gianforte cannot be governor of Montana. 
He doesn't hold our values. And the fact is that everything we hold dear as Montanans is in jeopardy if Gene Forte would win. And so uh, we've got to elect Mike Cooney. It's pretty terrifying. So, Pat, let's talk about Senator Daines. He's continued to face criticism for not being accessible to his constituents long before COVID-19. In fact, this week he is hosting an event to celebrate the Great American Outdoors Act, but no one's been able to track down where it is, who's invited, definitely not making himself available to us as the public. And that's certainly not the way that things were done when you were in public service. So what is your advice for the most effective way to represent the people you serve? Well, I'll prefer uh, for your purposes here not to critique Danes's action in any specific way, but rather to answer the last part of your question, Whitney, which is, uh, as I understand it, is uh, asking about how uh, the times have changed uh, since I served all those decades ago. I think that uh, civil rights the people's environmental rights, uh, the functioning of government at most levels, and uh, people's concern about the franchise of voting and using it properly, all of those things have increased. They've all gotten better. And it's a, it's a happy thing for both Carol and I. Yeah, the times are dark, and even going into this summer and last spring, this has been a kind of a dark year. The politics haven't been great. Uh, the coronavirus is dampening everyone's news, everyone's uh, daily activities, and of course the economy. It's going to have continuing and severe effects on the economy, even more than we've seen in my judgment. Carol, you were a champion legislator for MCV when you served in the Montana Senate. And first of all, thank you. This week, we got word that President Trump's EPA is going to roll back an Obama-era rule protecting our climate from methane emissions. Uh, We're curious for your perspective on what this election means for protecting our environment specifically. Well, I think in addition to that, of course, we looked at the disgraceful way that they deal with climate change in general. Um, it's the very thing that uh, no matter whether you're a Democrat, Independent, or Republican, you ought to care about. This is this is literally a life and death situation. And when I was in the legislature, it was easy to be a good legislator because you guys were there keeping us all informed about the issues that were going on. And uh, I want to really compliment you again uh, when of course, you weren't there when I was there, Aaron and Whitney, but um, your predecessors were, and they made a huge difference in being able to hold on to some of the things. I carried the Montana Environmental Protection Act, uh, some changes in that, that that they had under Republicans had requested to replace. And of course, it wasn't successful. We weren't able to get it through the Montana Senate. But most of the things, thank God that we had a Democratic governor during that time because very many environmentally unfriendly bills were passed on to Brian Schweitzer while I was there, and he took good care of them. I'm sure that Mike Cooney would do the same thing, and it's that's why it's so important to hold on to the governor's race. We need to have that veto power. 
So Carol, you've spent a long time making sure women in particular have a seat at the table when it comes to politics in Montana, and you've gotten so much done through Carol's List. So what is your message to women who are listening who might be interested in pursuing public service? Well, thanks, Whitney, for that question, because it's, I think, Americans and Montanans both are being more apt to vote for women as we move forward in this century. It's been a terrible thing that women have to be asked seven or eight times to run for office before they'll say yes. And it's a very difficult thing to both recruit and re- and elect women, except that now, since 2018, with the coming of many new women legislators and members of Congress, things are changing, and women should want to be part of that change. And we had, when we started Carol's List, women were in the minority of the Montana legislature by far. When I first went to the legislature, there were a handful of women. And now, since Carol's List has been there and we've been doing all this good work, now in the Democratic caucus anyway, the Democratic caucus is more women than men in both the House and Senate. And I think we're only needing to do more of that. It's very important. Thank you for that, Carol. A little anecdote when um, we were at an event with, uh, with your daughter, Whitney, my daughter, who was 12 years old at the time, her eyes were opened seeing seeing Whitney run for public office. And it was so inspiring to her. And um, to know that Carol's List is there for somebody like a 12-year-old who is interested in public service, um, it, it means a lot to me personally. So thank you for that. We are always interested in, in learning from the great leaders of Montana. Uh, so Carol, in your public service, what did you learn the hard way? What lessons can Montanans take away from your experience in the legislature? Well, I think the thing that women have to do is they have to go into this running for office with their eyes wide open. And one of the things that women tend to do, and I did this myself, is I was terribly concerned that maybe I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't know enough about state school funding. I didn't know enough about the tax policy of of the state of Montana when I ran. And what I found out when I got over there is neither did the men that were running. And what you have to do when you go to the legislature, you have to learn it. And I would like to say that uh, women are as capable as men in doing all of those things from tax to education. Uh, and we just have to have more confidence and step up more often. And that's what I'm thinking that's try- really changing. And I'm feeling good about that. So Pat, same question to you. So in your public service, what did you learn the hard way and what lessons can Montanans take away from your experience in Congress? Despite what uh, I suppose, sorrowfully, most people think, Congress is a very busy and productive place. The members work very hard, very long hours. And when Congress isn't in session, for example, during a break that always happens around this time of year, called the August break, those members of Congress, the vast majority of them, go home to their districts, get in the car, and go town to town, or in the large cities, go up and down the escalators and elevators in those high-rise buildings. 
and they uh, they work almost as hard then. I say almost because they have the enjoyment of being home, but almost as hard then as they do when they're in Congress. The primary requirements, I believe, for a good congressman is one who listens and studies. Listening was something that I was not fully prepared to do when I got to Congress. I had been and still am a teacher, and uh, the teacher believes their business is for other people to listen to what they're saying, when in fact, uh, they, by the way, can learn a great deal from the kids and the parents, but uh, the congressional job is to listen and study, and the study is very important. But the listening to people back home comes first. And after I realized that, a few terms into my uh, career, I uh, began to have what I called listening sessions in Montana, as many as I could fit into my schedule. And I would go town to town, and uh, folks would know I was coming, and I'd have a temporary office that day in the courthouse or wherever it was uh, appropriate, and uh, people would come in and see me, and we'd greet and maybe exchange a few stories when we knew each other, and then I would sit and uh, listen. I find that with some of today's Montana elected officials, particularly on the national level, they're a little short on the good listening part. (laughs) I, I believe that. And I just want to add a PS to that, that I think that Danes and Gianforte are both the most unavailable members of of the Congress that we've ever had. And it's both not listening and it's not coming home and it's not having meetings at home with their constituents. They're often doing all these telecalls that uh, aren't effective at all. They don't listen to anybody there. And I think we have to remember that when we're going to vote this year. We would agree. Uh, Thanks, Carol. Pat, Montana had two seats in the U.S. House when you served in Congress, and we could be in line to get that second seat back. What does that mean for Montana, and what can we do to make sure that we are fairly represented in Congress? I really hope, earnestly hope, that Montana had enough uh, people coming in or Montanans themselves have had enough kids over the past 10 years that uh, we're going to show a pretty good increase in the census totals for Montana because of a lot of different reasons federally, including federal money returned to this state and to the taxpayers through the various needs of those taxpayers. More population we have, the better we do in federal return of dollars. And Montana's done fairly well through the years, thanks to uh, the congressional delegation, be they Republican or Democrat, through the decades. But uh, it's very, very important. So how would you like Montanans to remember you and your public service to Montana? What are you most proud of? Well, outside of my personal family, and personal life, I'm uh, most proud of my service in the United States Congress for nine terms. And I take a particularly enjoyment at the fact that I was granted by Montana's voters uh, every two years more consecutive terms than any Montanan to serve in the U.S. House. And uh, that's been important to me. The, uh, not the fact that I was able to do it, 
but that Montanans thought I was able to do it. And uh, I very much appreciated that. Legislatively, in the U.S. Congress, I passed and uh, passed and passed again different wilderness bills. (laughs) Some of them stuck, like the rattlesnake outside of Missoula and the Lee Metcalf uh, down in the uh, Gallatin area. President Reagan vetoed a massive wilderness bill that I had that appropriately protected uh, last of the last best place. But President Reagan uh, tragically vetoed that. I was new in Congress then, and uh, that had nothing to do with his veto, but he did, uh, he did veto it. But I was very proud of all those pieces of legislation, including the wilderness areas that I was able to pass and were signed uh, by presidents. Another piece of legislation of which I'm most proud is one that's not very well known except by uh, young people now and their parents. And that is uh, legislation called the Infants and Toddlers Disability Bill. And just uh, 15 seconds on it, it will, it's worth more, but that bill said in effect it is national law that when a disabled infant is born into the United States, that infant and their family are instantly available for a basket of federal health services. Uh, It's saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions overall for families, and it's gotten their children help at an early age when those children needed it. So I'm particularly grateful I was able to do those things. Well, Congressman, on, on behalf of countless Americans, we thank you for your service in Congress. We know darn well all the work that you've done, and uh, Montana is better for it. Uh, Carol, we'd like to leave you with a final word. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Well, I just think, uh, again, let's go back to voting. This election, and I know the conservation voters have a wonderful program, and you're going to help from the White House to the State House in helping candidates that are appropriately going to do the things that Montanans want to be done. And um, I just think that everybody has to find their place to not only vote, which is critically important for everybody, but also pitch in and help and raise money and do doors if we can ever go do doors again uh, or make phone calls and do the kinds of things that are going to make a big difference in Montana and the country. We can't afford another four years of the devastation that we've had. And uh, this has to be the year that we turn around and say, no, not here. We're not doing it anymore. Former State Senate Majority Leader Carol Williams and former Congressman Pat Williams. Thank you so much for all you've done for Montana and for joining us today. You're very Thank welcome. you. The views of our guests here on MCV Cast do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its members, or its board of directors. We've also put a link to Carol's list in the show notes where you can visit their website directly at carolslistmt.org. Before we go, political director Jake Brown is taking us back to Missoula, specifically to Rattlesnake Creek. The old defunct dam on the Rattlesnake Creek, Missoula, has finally been demolished. The dam hasn't been used since the 1980s due to concerns about water quality and has also been an obstacle for fish habitat, 
After the destruction of the dam is complete, there are plans for major stream restoration, like building the new stream bed, restoring the vegetation, and just making the lives of fish in the area a little bit better. There is still time to join our fight and tell Senator Daines to stop Penley's nomination at stoppenley.org. We also hope while you're there that you make a donation of $25 or more to get your own one-of-a-kind I Heart Public Land sticker to help us post a billboard near Senator Daines' home so he can no longer avoid Montanans and our mission to protect our public lands, our clean water, and our clean air. If you're already a dues-paying member for MCD at $35 a year, thank you. You'll be receiving your sticker in the mail next week, but we still humbly are asking for an additional donation so we can continue to hold Senator Daines accountable for his support of William Perry Penley. We'll be sure to post a link to stoppenley.org and urge you to visit the site to learn more in our show notes. Thanks, Whitney. Our stoppenley.org campaign also features an MCV ad, which is now on broadcast TV in Great Falls and Billings, as well as on cable news channels statewide. This week, National Public Radio's Kirk Sigler featured our ad in a story about Mr. Pendley's nomination and what it means for politicians like Senator Daines. And before we go, a thank you to Bill Lombardi for performing MCV Cast's original music. We'll be back next week. Montana for sale. Donald Trump. This new ad by environmentalists tries to align Pendley with Montana's Republican Senator Steve Daines. Daines sits on the Senate committee that would take up the Pendley nomination and is in a tight re-election bid against that state's governor. Tell Steve Daines our public lands are not for sale. Stop Pendley. Daines hasn't said how he'd vote. Neither has fellow committee Republican Cory Gardner of Colorado. He's trying to fend off a challenge from his state's former governor, John Hickenlooper. 